Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, aka Possibility Man. We are committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Our guest today is Anastasia Gaukowska. She has a background in clinical psychology, and she's also an accomplished actress. She's the founder and CEO of Expose Productions, which recorded a documentary on violence in intimate relationships. She has also wrote an ebook on the same subject. Not only does she highlight the problem of abuse in relationships, her mission is to support the survivors in transforming their lives for the better. Anastasia hosts a podcast entitled Expose Podcast and a radio show, Expose Radio. She's one of the authors of the book, Intuitive Seeing Her Truth. Anastasia, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Stephen. It was just amazing to hear that beautiful introduction. Thank you for the possibility to speak to your audience and share this beautiful space you created, the Possibility Action Network. Uh, it's my pleasure. But first, a note to our listeners and our viewers, follow, like, share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you find it. Well, Anastasia, as a fellow podcaster, you know, we get to speak with people from various corners of the world. So tell me about your background. Yes, so uh, I, I am originally, I was born in Poland um, and I worked since I was 16 until age of 18 in Germany. Then I was living in Denmark for a while. I wanted to study design and art. And sh sure, after that, um, I moved to Spain, to Barcelona, where I got my psychology, clinical psychology degree. And that's where I got into abusive relationship, my first one. And in 2018, when I left that relationship, I had the dream to create a documentary and I had no idea how to make movies. So I felt like I could go to Hollywood and that's what I did. I uh, applied for visa. And in 2019, in August, I came to United States, uh, to California, without really knowing anyone, uh, with the dream to share not only my story, but also story of others who are thriving after leaving abusive relationships. That's very um, courageous of you, uh, having lived in so many different countries and then mm. moving to the United States without knowing anyone here. Was that intimidating for you? You know, you're, when, you, when you first landed and began, you know, to get settled, was that intimidating for you? I think it was exciting. Exciting. Because, okay. Exciting because of, uh, I dreamed to, to study film and I was actress back in my country in theaters. So for any actor, it is a dream to go to Hollywood, <laughs> yeah. if you know what I mean. And you know, in Europe, uh, we also see America a little bit like, um, you know, the American dream, a little through like glasses of bubbles, pink glasses, right? So I was very excited. And since 2016, it, 
um, since I wrote, I um, I read book uh, The Power of Actor by Ivana Trubuk. She opened an acting school in Hollywood, and that was my dream to go to that school and study acting and film with her. Um, but back then, what was stopping me um, was being in that relationship. Like um, uh, that partner used to say, hey, you know, if you go to Hollywood, probably somebody will rape you or you will become alcoholic. So there was a lot of manipulation and gaslighting and um, which made me feel limited. So when I get out, when I uh, left that relationship, I had that amazing need to do something I've never done before. And that's why I even say that I'm so grateful for this experience I've been through all those five years because of it gave me, um, it led me to connect with the universe, with my own energy. And it wasn't easy. You know, I went through being, you know, like suicidal, depressed, therapy, another relationship, another breakup. But I feel like when I came to the United States in that 2019, in August, I was uh, in, in the, one of the <laughs> most euphoric moments because I had all the dreams, uh, like uh, since I'm a visionary. So I felt like, of course, it's going to be easy, <laughs> right? I, I just survived this. Everything else will be easier than, um, than that. And I personally um, never felt really um, belonging to Poland, if that makes sense, because of, of the culture of being more like, um, how to say, like, not only modest, but like, um, you don't, you know, we are um, less confident culturally, mm -hmm. of course, but also less um, expressive. Mm -hmm. um, and that part of me, I always, um, when I was living in Poland, I had to hide it, right? So mm -hmm. I feel like coming to America, it was actually a very awakening moment. Yeah, well, you've said uh, quite a few things there, Anastasia, that, that I think are very powerful. And I'm going to spend some time with it. And, you know, uh, some people who go through difficult situations are crushed by them, or if not broken by them entirely. But you came to a place of thriving. Um, can you tell me about that? How do you explain that in your own experience? How did I went uh, from uh, from being depressed to thriving? Yeah, yeah, to thriving. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would also say it seems to me that even though it was difficult for you that you were not like broken by it, like permanently. That you can you? How did you come out of that? Yeah, mm. yeah. It how has, do you explain that? Mm. Mm. That's a beautiful question. It made me feel like about a butterfly. You know, mm. when you go through all those stages when at the beginning you feel ugly and disgusted, right? And, one, and one, day by day, it becomes um, not, well, a little easier. Yeah. And you also start to associate yourself with another butterflies. <laughs> so what I would say, what helped me the most is being open to ask for help. Yeah. Even when I, uh, the, um, the way how I got out of my relationship was by speaking my story to a stranger. 
and I had, you know, I was looking for apartment. So, and I shared my story and immediately a stranger became my friend and I had a place to move. So that was the first step, me, me being open and accepting um, people help, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, which sometimes, you know, our ego gets on the way, like I can do it myself. <laughs> but what I realized, um, the power of community. Yeah. Um, so there's many people on my way who are not today in front of this camera and I'm very grateful for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I feel so driven to do this documentary and expose movement because I believe um, that we live in civilization, especially here in America, when the individualism is more, uh, you know, like celebrated. And we, I feel like we need to go back to live in a cultivation of um, living, creating our own villages. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, but you offer so many. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please continue on. So those two things, uh, staying open, and uh, you know, I've been working through different therapies. You know, like the AMDR yeah. and um, and the traditional ones. But what really helped me, I think, it's sharing my story. Like uh, I'm doing with you because there is some something, uh, you know, trauma happens when we are isolated, like PTSD. There's um, research showing that uh, the tribes in Africa, there's two tribes uh, in Africa, which are coming from a war. And one tribe uh, of those military soldiers are coming to a village where the village people are welcoming them and celebrating them. And those people, they don't, uh, most of them don't um, develop PTSD, post-traumatic strength disorder. On the other side, those military uh, soldiers who doesn't have this support, doesn't have the village there to welcome them, most of them develop the PTSD. So that's why I feel that um, sharing stories, speaking up, it allows you to, um, to feel uh, validated and seen mm -hmm. and and you feel like you belong yeah yeah that's that's so important I mean there's so many nuggets in what you've just said and I just want to go back to one of them is that sometimes when people are harmed well let me ask you let me ask the question this way do some people keep their abuse a secret and how does this harm them further? That is not only the abuse, but now they're also hiding something. Mm. Right, as, as you were saying, I just had this uh, you know, flashback from the documentary, basically mm. one of the, um, yes, one of the participants, her name is Kelly, she's from Australia. And she just mentioned, was saying that, you know, um, there was a punch pushed in my way, but I was pretending nothing was happening. My relationship is great. Uh, no, 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 we have a perfect relationship. And anytime someone will ask, she will, you know, say, no, no, nothing is happening. Everything is perfect. Um, so um, 
so there is a shame around uh, speaking up and there's a lot of uh, about conditioning right mm -hmm. what society approves to speak about like a, mm -hmm. about the success and so um all that and a little bit of the patriarchy culture creates not only for women but men as well as well because they are also deprive um, this space to show their feelings on the social, uh, you know, in social stages, spaces, right? It, it's like, um, it is a lot of uh, victim victimization around this topic. And the reason why we shut down is because of, we don't see around us anyone sharing their stories let's say when i was in my relationship i started um, after five years it took me five years to for for the first time ask someone um, my uh, my friends at uh, at work and and they were like oh well my boyfriend behaves the same way and i am like hmm and we never talk about it. Like, if I never share that, that we will be just, you know, repeating the cycles from generation to generation because nobody's, most people don't speak about it. Now mm -hmm. things are changing and I feel we're breaking the taboo. And that's why, you know, with any movement, Me Too movement, you know, any revolution, the most important is to educate uh, mm -hmm why do we feel shame and what's shame basically shame means there's something wrong with me right yeah yeah Brenna yeah. Brown speaks about it beautifully um and I feel yeah if that answer your question it does yeah and I'm, I'm I'm so glad you're doing this work for sure because it's a difficult work but you do it with such you know such poise that's that's awesome so but I want to ask you why why do you suppose some people go into denial? You said even in your own experience, your first response was denial. Why do you suppose we do that? We deny. And also self-blame as well. You know, I'm responsible, not the person who's actually committing the, the, the horrible act. Right. Mm. So those are defense mechanism. Mm. Um, and each of human us has a different defense mechanism. Um, and part of that is um, the conditioning, how the culture, uh, what part of our personal life we put out on social media and what gets, you know, the likes um, there, but also our own response to our tra trauma. We have those three responses, right, for fight, flight, freeze, or phone. Um, and that's, you know, like uh, one of um, defense mechanism of the freeze where we hide. And um, it has to do a lot of with uh, our childhood, right? Yeah. And our attachment style sometimes, the way how our parents, did they allow us to speak up about our feelings when something happened, um, right? Did they ask about our opinions? Um, did they allow us to express our happiness and euphoria and anger and sadness because of 
all that creates uh, for us the safety that no matter what I can express and I, my feelings are welcome. So mm -hmm. when we get into romantic relationships, we know there will be someone um, there for us as well. And it's safe to express my feelings. On the other side, you know, I grew up in a traditional religious Catholic family in Poland, you know, after second war, some part of my family was uh, in Holocaust. So I, um, some part of me, uh, some part of me felt always unsafe, even with my own self, right? Um, and also the way how I was brought up, um, you know, all the rules and, you know, I had to wear this kind of clothes. I could eat just this food. I had to go to church, a lot of rules. I couldn't uh, talk, you know, I couldn't date. <laughs> mm -hmm. So all that created for me, like a, um, repre this repression of my feelings and emotions, because I was not allowed, right? Um, otherwise there was some kind of punishment all right so I learned I can only show a little bit of myself in relationships I cannot be too much and then when like you mentioned why do we blame ourselves um, so so that happens when um, there's this huge topic and probably there is a great book Unbound by uh, Kasia Urbaniak and speaks about that um, for someone who would like to just expand more than I will share now. Um, so the question is, why do we um, gaslight ourselves, right? Why we don't trust ourselves? It all comes from the place that our boundaries were broke one time. And someone, somebody didn't, it didn't need to be you no know, big trauma. It could be just your parent not letting you to keep your own candies like it was <laughs> I had my own candies uh, and my mom you know she was like why don't you share your candies and I said no they're mine uh, I want to keep them and and I was uh, punished for that but you know I really you know this was my right to have a candy so um, we start to believe there's something wrong with us because uh, the society doesn't approve us having boundaries, having rights. As a child, it's important to uh, make the child feel powerful by respecting their boundaries, especially when it comes to body and physical touch. Uh, so all that, um, those little trauma situation reinforce the belief there is something wrong with me. Plus, when we meet a predator they like to say you are too sensitive you know oh i was just joking you made it up um no you are the one who who is an artist um, mm -hmm. um all that uh reinforced the belief i don't know myself i need a man or i need someone else to help me make decisions mm -hmm. in my life mm -hmm. And um, also there's a little bigger part of that, how we are raised as a woman, a man, 
in a society. Things are changing right now, but my generation, millennials, um, I can speak about that a little just. So uh, if you want. Yeah, please, yes. So um, there's a difference for what we are reinforced as a children when we are little girls, you know, our parents say, oh, look at, look at um, Jessie. She has this beautiful smile. Oh, um, look at her, you know, so we are reinforced for how we look, right? And on the opposite side, boys are reinforced for what they do. Like, oh, look at David, he created this beautiful castle. Uh, or he just, you know, threw, threw the ball to the basketball. <laughs> uh, so boys are reinforced for actions. Um, and that creates for the female energy to internalize things like adjective, we are adjective. Mm -hmm. um, and so our attention is in, right? And that's why there's more women who struggle with depression than men. And, um, and men attention is uh, on, you know, how to save someone, <laughs> what to do the next, be the provider, be the saver, right? Go on the war, grab the animals, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? So the attention is out. Uh, so um, yeah, the conditioning also influence um, how the cycle goes back. Mm -hmm. Um, and continues. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I want to look at a couple of those things uh, closer because you've once again, you dropped some big nuggets as you shared with us. One of them was this notion: if someone were to express something is wrong with me, they're in a relationship, but then when things happen, they point back something is wrong with me. So that would be—is that a warning sign that? something could be wrong in relationship, but they're internalizing to say something is wrong with me because this is what they hear, they answer my partner say, it's you. So is that a, one of the warning signs to look that a person can look for if they're always ending a conversation feeling something is wrong with me as opposed to looking at the relationship in the other party? Is that one warning sign? Mm, mm. I love that question, Anna. And I would, yes, I would also ask whose voice it is. Some, something yeah. is wrong with me. Is it actually the another partner saying that, you know, pointing at us saying, oh, you should go for therapy. There's something wrong with you instead of, um, you know, looking therapy together, right? Or proper. Yeah. Or, so yes, it could be a red flag. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. if you const constantly feel like uh, your life is worst um, after spending time with that person, like you feel your well-being goes down. That's also, you know, um, another uh, manifestation of something is wrong with me, believe like um, yeah. you try to yeah. internalize it and uh, feeling, feeling bad about yourself and, and whatever you focus, it extends, right? So if yeah. you focus something is wrong with me, you're like, oh yeah, I could make the, I could, uh, you know, clean the house better, or I could, uh, you know, do all the things which 
will never satisfy the person you are with yeah. because like you mentioned yeah uh, yeah i could see that being you know one warning sign and let me try this on because i kind of got this from what you said as a second warning sign you know that um if someone is is wondering if someone is saying something like things will get better but then they don't but then things would get better is that another opportunity to take a look because they're wondering you know they're told right don't run from don't run you know things are going to get better but sometimes that could be a warning sign right because sometimes things just don't get better mm, right that um those promises <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah. So, so it's a I like that um, I like to bring some metaphor, but it's like, a, okay. uh, yeah, if uh, if you allow me, of course. Of course. Yeah, if, uh, if let's say each time you go outside from your home, um, there is someone on the top of the roof throwing a bucket of water on your face and you say first time, hey, this is not okay, I got wet. But if that happens again and again, it means, you know, uh, that, that person, um, that's, that's the time you need to set up boundary, right? Yeah. Because of, um, yeah, words without actions, you know, they're just words. And uh, I think um, that we want to we see others the way um we project ourselves on others yeah that that means that oh you know i will trust him because of he said i'm sorry and and we start to you know use the cognitive dissonance which um blocks our logic and sense so what i want everyone of your audience to know is that if you are, if you think you are in abusive relationship, um, the most important thing you can do is to speak uh, with um, any professionals from mental health. To um, you know, there are available hotlines or um, therapy therapists, local therapy therapists, mm, and find yeah, and find a support group. So you feel you're not alone because I feel like that's super important to feel there's that there is another people who've been through what you are going through because that also made you um, see that there's nothing wrong with you, right? Because yeah. all, those, all those people, you know, it, um, every second, well, there's like some statistics showing that um, Every four women and um, and seven men on on ten people experience some kind of sexual abuse, right? Mm -hmm. But in a relationship, but those are only statistics from people who report abuse, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Anastasia, I like I like what you just said though, because that's why it's so important. Because if a person is keeping it a secret, they may continue to believe that it's themselves mm. but once they expose it then someone if they're not able if they don't have the power themselves right to see it 
someone else could help them see, look, you're in, a, in a, an abusive cycle. Is that about right? That if they can't see themselves, maybe someone else could help them see uh, that there is a problem in the relationship? Yes, that's actually um, very therapeutical because it, you know, it takes, um, it's a process to break that fog when you get out of the abusive relationship you are still mentally having um, you experience something what we call anxiety separation so you think about the person you want to go back you're like our brain basically in the moment we leave is experiencing withdrawal effects like from that drug you know okay. so normally when you stop drinking or smoking you start to have uh, I don't know, <laughs> whatever you have some uh, symptoms in here, we experience, you know, um, ruminations um, and the crave to go back to the person, to get the high, to feel, uh, I'm, uh, you know, feel the bound, bond, right? Um, so it, it's very important to go no contact. That's another thing what right. I would add to um, block all the social media and have someone, it could be a therapist or very safe friend who you can call anytime at night or during the day when you feel like you have to call the ex-partner. Mm -hmm. So you actually yeah. uh, have someone to talk with because mm -hmm. of that need, it's strong. It's like, it's a literary, what neuroscience shows, it is like a, you know, a, stronger even than leaving a cocaine or heroin for people right. to leave that addiction because yeah. it means also you know that um you are breaking some kind of pattern creating a new neural pathway in your brain uh, breaking maybe 20 years of your life pattern right because many times we've been in multiple relationships mm. before we get into therapy before right I went into therapy. I had, you know, four relationships because I thought it's just walking away. <laughs> it will be enough. Mm. And then, of course, I just change a partner and the cycle repeat. And that's mm. what made me feel maybe there's something wrong with me because there is, you know, four guys saying there's something wrong with me. I am the one crying uh, <laughs> at the end. Yeah. So it, it, it is um, important to have someone who can say hey there's nothing wrong with you um yeah. we got we are here for you um yeah. and who will create that safe space that yeah, whatever that's... comes out for it will be yeah. welcome and validated and actually all those behaviors you know the gaslighting hoovering um all those different behaviors they have names I didn't know mm. that when I was first time talking with my therapist, they're like, oh yeah, this has a name and this has a name. Um, and I was, it made me feel really good because I felt like, okay, so it's, I didn't imagine that, you know, I was, you uh, slowly start to see a bigger picture. You realize it's yeah. not about me. And, um, and that's also when you can receive, um, healing um yeah 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 you know so um some people you know either watching this you know interview or listening to it may may wonder you know is this a 
pervasive problem around the world? Is this um, a problem you know, that exists in Poland or Spain or Germany or the US or how pervasive would you say is abuse in intimate relationships? How widespread? How, how, how yeah, widespread? How, so yeah. we know the statistics, right? Uh, but mm -hmm. as I said, the statistics, um, they're showing only the reports from people who actually reported um, the abuse. Um, and I feel um, that, um, you know, I wish I could say it happens only in poor countries. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't. It happens, you know, in the rich neighborhoods, in very educated. I personally interview some people who are PhD doctors <clears throat> who, during that time of being in abusive relationships, they've been very successful, making, you know, great money, um, having diplomas, but still um, struggling in a relationship or being financially abused um, by the partner. I feel what I really want to talk about is emotional abuse. Okay. Because I think um, that's what many times is seen as not abuse, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. for, and for that, we don't have any statistics, mm -hmm. as, right? And you know, saying you are fat, you are this and that, you know, you cannot meet your friends, or you cannot go for Christmas to your family, or don't wear those clothes, or don't speak to these people, or um, you look like a horror. <laughs> mm. um, all those, uh, you know, and for men as well, right? All those um, words they can they can stay with you for years after a relationship right um there's even research showing <clears throat> that our body um heals from like a um when we have a car accident <clears throat> and it uh takes some period of time to heal so so that um our body um see emotional abuse uh, and our brain heals takes um even um reacts in the same way to emotional abuse as it was reacting to the physical abuse mm. if that makes sense um, yeah that does make sense mm -hmm. so if you ask me how big is the problem I would say, um, you know, when you walk through any street, what kind of conversation can you hear, right? Mm. But I also focus on the solution more than, you know, on how big is the problem. Mm. And the solution, yeah. I think it is education. Mm -hmm. and uh, And that's why I'm very passionate to bring the awareness on uh, on emotional abuse especially so uh, we can walk away when someone start to break our boundaries mm 
right we feel like hey this is not okay um you know and and uh, walk away from relationships which no longer serve us yeah okay so uh, i wanted to ask you about that i'm glad you talked about you know what you're doing with some of the survivors of uh, abusive relationships to help them in their, their journey of healing but i want to go back um, to expose production what do you try to do in that in that uh, documentary mm. thank you for this question so this is um a movement okay um and we do yes we do documentaries because i found it easy to spread knowledge mm. right as a video and what we do we awake people that the experience of abuse uh, is, I know it sounds crazy for you to awake, uh, mm. to heal, um, to share your story and see um, the ripple effect, the impact. And uh, as soon as you share your story, the story, doesn't own you anymore right and you and it changes lives mm. it literally has that power so what do we do you ask me what do we do mm. Mm. yeah that's what what um, yeah we... i i get you i get you and i can see that but let me ask you a follow-up question if i may how has the response because you you interview uh, people, right, for the documentary. How has the response been? How have people come forward to share their stories? So have they been, yeah, have they been, you know, coming forward to share? The response from uh, the participants or the audience? The participants, that's right, that's right. That people, you know, show up to say, yes, I'm willing to share my story for your documentary. How has that response been? Mm. I feel um, it has been a privilege for me mm. to interview those people, um, beautiful thrivers. Mm. For many of them, it was a first time, first time when they shared the story publicly. Um, so I was like, you, wow. Yeah. Um, it's, um, no, actually, I have 300 hours of footages and I just put the documentary of, you know, the 60, 80 minutes documentary from this 300 because the time we spent on the, you know, we had introduction call when we get to know each other, if we're a good fit, if the person uh, feels like it's safe for them. Because I had a lot of, um, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure um, they really want to share their stories, right? That mm. you know they don't they do it for the right purpose, basically. Mm. I didn't uh well, so at the beginning, I uh the people who shared their story at the first ones are those who I connected with through a Facebook group. I opened a Facebook group and the word of mouth, and uh so at the more I uh, started to ask my friends, who do you know who might have been for abusive relationship, the more people start to come 
to me and ask, can I, oh, hey, can I be in this documentary? And now, since this, this is the first out of 10 documentaries, so, wow, okay. uh, so yeah. there is, there will be more people and we invite people to um, go to Expose Network and subscribe wow. and, um, and be in the next do stories, documentaries. Mm -hmm. um, so it has been, but I need to say that uh, there was a period of time there where I um, couldn't find any men. I really wanted to invite some men into documentary and share their story. Um, so that was a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I remember that, yeah, after, just through some connection, someone uh, was like, oh yeah, um, I met this person and they've been with me in a shelter. They would be happy to, to share a story. And so, mm -hmm. so I feel, um, that from the feedback I got from them, even now, because we, we have been meeting once a month, they were helping me also with some ideas how to create uh, this, you know, the um, production part. Um, that um, it creates some bounds between them as well. And uh, yeah. Uh, but in this kind of question, I like to give the microphone to someone who actually yeah. be, then speak about right. myself. It's very subjective, <laughs> subjective. But uh, yeah. but what I see for me, I am very proud of them because you know we started those interviews in 2020 in September, so it has been two years now, and I could see all the transformation not all but most of the transformations and i i'm amazed of you know some of those thrivers became bestseller authors and speakers and it's very empowering and transforming to um see that change constantly right yeah yeah um so you had begun talking about healing a person healing themselves following being in abusive relationship. Can you say a little more about the healing journey following, you know, a relationship that did not work out? Mm, yes, so you want me to talk about uh, the after abuse. Uh... That's right. Yeah, life after abuse and healing and continuing to thrive as, as, you, as you're doing. So, yeah. Right. Um, I would say find uh, the right therapist. Mm. Uh, like I kind of made, <laughs> you know, you can interview therapists and see who resonates with you. Because uh, there are so many approaches from somatic. Um, but you, I want to make sure you're asking me what helped me or just generally on the healing uh, process what's the most uh yeah yeah the, the, the healing process the healing journey following a, a relationship you may give some personal stories that'll be great or however you want to respond mm -hmm. mm. you know i like what you just said though mm. that um, a person some, is it takes some time to think because that's a great question mm -hmm. um yeah. it it takes um, that 
safe person, therapist, I mentioned, mm -hmm. because uh, you need to process somehow to speak it, right? Um, <clears throat> it also our body heals different than our psyche. So there is some great somatic approach, um, you know, like I am AMDR therapist um, who uh, that therapy helps you to change the association of the feeling of the experience with the meaning you gave to that experience uh, for the left and right hemisphere. Uh, so that that would personally help uh, me to uh, feel safe in my body because traditional therapy was not enough mm -hmm. and I found it for many other people just speaking it doesn't fully help <laughs> um, and there is also a lot of time in um, being with your own self and being okay to be uh, alone you know healing, healing that codependency that that believe I have to be with someone, otherwise I will die. Mm -hmm. So each time you're alone, you feel like I have to do something or some people go into drugs or substance because of um, first thing we need to learn to name our emotions, what we feel. Many of us, including myself, I, I would not be able to name what I'm feeling. Or you look like you're angry. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. So just um, uh, accepting all those, you know, emotions in us, um, especially anger, and not feeling like, oh, I have to be always happy. I, you know, where when I will heal? <laughs> like I'm mm. healing six months. I remember when I was in therapy, and I, uh, you know, I finished that therapy and um one of those therapies but uh and i say to my therapist oh that's it <laughs> and she's like yeah that's it now you know uh well um, you've been we've been meeting every week for six months and you are doing well you know and i was afraid to be left with you know now alone with the without the therapist <laughs> how am i going you know um, to process the thing so it is uh, really all about self-trust mm -hmm. and um, learning the tools how to uh, calm your nervous system so whenever you get triggered you um, become more aware of your body what you know that you can actually feel your feet you can take a deep breath you can uh look around and uh, work on your sensation what do you see what do you hear uh, you start to be equipped in all those beautiful tools which um, become you become the way how you start to approach challenging situations mm -hmm. um, and I would say it's a skill I would say everyone can heal it's not that just you know this person who has a lot of money can heal or this person with this IQ can heal. I would say, I want everyone to know that if you, whatever you're struggling with PTSD or depression, or you've been through multiple abusive relationships, welcome, <laughs> you mm -hmm. can heal. 
And uh, mm -hmm. I want to celebrate and acknowledge each person who is feeling like quitting because there is a, you know, you feel a little out of the system, right? When you are going for therapy and you are spending hours of your life sometimes <laughs> in the therapy uh, without accomplishing anything big, mm -hmm. right? You feel uh, maybe useless sometimes. I felt like this way, like, uh, oh, I'm go doing just a therapy. Mm, like, you know, fortunately the idea of therapy is changing, right? So, and we become more aware how um, we all um, can um, work on something in a therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Just to be aware. Um, yeah, that's, those, are, those are great. Um, so um, I would ask you this, Anastasia. And I how... just wanted to, uh, to add lastly, if that's okay. Okay. That's fine. Seconds. And what I would add just lastly, because it, the healing depends in the moment when you leave the relationship is the moment when you have uh, the anxiety separation and you feel, oh my God, I waste my time. I still feel like going back. So it's important first to um, make sure you get some oxytocin which you can get through the eye contact, eye to eye, with a therapist or somebody safe, or through massage. There's in America, there's all these, you know, massages, people, you get oxytocin to your body. There's the happy hormones, dopamine. So you can, you know, yoga shows great, uh, even better than med meditation improvements for people. Mm because of when we do meditation, sometimes people ruminate. So they mm -hmm. stuck in one thought. And when you start to move a little your body, um, you, well, different parts of your brain start to activate and it helps uh, a lot. It improves, uh, well, the serotonin goes up. <laughs> and, uh, and also uh, dopamine. And for, for that, setting daily goals it could be like i brush my teeth i took a shower i made a healthy meal i made you know a juice um i took a walk in the nature um or journaling i'm not really like journal person so i don't talk about journaling a lot mm -hmm. but i know people for who you know it was just writing you know one after another <laughs> just uh, writing out um, all those experiences. What I like to do myself is more taking a walk and speaking to a mic microphone. <laughs> um, all what my inner child is angry or feels sad for. Even now I do that, you know, every week, actually. Every time I have some difficult situation and it triggers me, I will, um, you know, I will go for a walk and talk with myself, with my inner child, um, because of, uh, that's, you know, it's not a process which finishes because it's a relationships with ourselves. So it's evolving, right? And we are reparenting ourselves. We are learning the skill to name those feelings, uh, and then 
manage those feelings and um, take care of our needs. Mm, because many times nobody asks us as a child, what do you want? What do you desire? So your focus is on outside, external focus. You are like, how can I help this person? How can I, uh, you know, help them? And it becomes self-abandonment issue <laughs> for many mm -hmm. of us. So putting your needs first and just, it's not easy because of when you have been conditioned for 20, 30 years, 40, 60 sometimes to put others needs first, the husband, the children, the society. Um, it's like betraying them, betraying all family. And, oh, I don't want to be egoistic, right? So it is um, learning that compassion because many times we find compassion for others, but when it you know, comes to getting enough sleep <laughs> for us, it is uh, sometimes very challenging to just be good to ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Because one thing is to speak about trauma. Another thing is to uh, start to show ourselves that we are important, right? Um, and pr every single day, because of yeah. we can speak about that, but if we keep, uh, let's say, you know, depriving ourselves the things we like, fun time, nature time, meet, doing the things we love, if we don't create time and space for that, we are abandoning our inner child and then we got, become burnout, frustrated. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's something that healing, it's more holistic, I, I almost feel like, and, and it takes place every single day. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I want to ask you, just have to ask you one more question, because you mentioned, in addition to the documentary that you've already produced, that you're working on other projects. So my question is, how does Expose Productions fund all of these projects? Mm. Mm. Yes, so that's a great question. <laughs> mm. So in 2000. 20 September that's when I met um, Barbara Lee uh, son and I shared with him the vision where I was going with expose my story um, and and he David he um, mentioned uh, what if we will carry my Barbara Lee was um, a teacher and philanthrope in Los Angeles. She graduated from Stanford and she was just very um, happy and by helping others. So we named, uh, we opened a nonprofit and we named the nonprofit after David Mam, Barbara Lee, um, to continue her great work. Uh, and that's, um, that was our first sponsor. And now as we um, proceed, and now we have this great goal of sponsoring 300 uh, people therapy for six months. Um, we, are, or we are in the process of organizing um, 
private events showing the current expose documentary and um, asking for support for those who would like to sponsor some someone else therapy for uh, six months because mm -hmm. that's what it that's... takes six months is the minimum to um for anyone to uh start to break um you know those old patterns and start to feel safe because this is a, 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 rela a relational trauma that's the word <laughs> relational trauma yeah so it so it takes quite a lot <laughs> Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Well, Anastasia, you're doing great work. Uh, I'm so happy that you're engaged in this effort. Uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah. thank you to your audience. Uh, and if you have a story, or if you would like to join um, the Barbara Lee Foundation um, board, we invite you to email us. Yes, because of uh, we need um we are breaking uh the system basically uh and i imagine a world where there there is no abuse i imagine mm. a world where, where mm. we uh can communicate and speak about our feelings yeah in such a way that um it it, it is thriving and um so that's what I stand for and thank you for this possibility to share not only my story but story of those 88 people thank you uh, mm -hmm. Stephen and looking forward to um, connect with you and your audience okay it's been my pleasure all right well you've been listening to the possibility action network podcast our guest today has been Anastasia Gaukowska. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton. Until next time, good day.